appreciate good music today and again pray for Seth and uh, others that are out sick and uh, want to uh, get them back healthy uh, quick. It's uh, no fun to be sick anytime, but especially at Christmas time. You don't want to be uh, laid up sick. So let's pray for those that are that are out sick today and um, have some uh, recovering from surgeries and other things as well. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2. This is a, a wonderful uh, time of year, um, though um, you know, the song Miss Holly sang is not particularly, you know, especially a Christmas song, but boy is it a Christmas song, uh, that the wonderful and merciful Savior came, and that's what Christmas is about. It's not about presents, and it's not about carols, and you know, food, and all those things that we like this time of year. It's about Jesus. But here's the thing. When you know Jesus, and he's come into your life, and you've received that great gift, my goodness, it, there really is joy uh, this time of year. And there's joy all through the year because we know that this wonderful, merciful Savior loved us so much that he came. And then he not only came, but he lived a perfect life, then gave that life willingly he laid it down for me and for you and for whosoever for all the whosoever's in the world I sure am thankful for that I hope you are as well uh, and so we're going to look at the Christmas story this morning from the gospel of Luke you know, preachers only really have as far as the, the Christmas day story we've got two places to look Matthew and Luke so uh, you get one one year and the Next one, the next year, maybe back and forth. But no matter how many times we hear the story, we, it still uh, should be exciting to us and new to us and to remind us just exactly how much God does indeed love us. So let's take a look, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were com completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we'll stop reading there uh, and we'll come back to the story in just a minute. But what a familiar passage uh, to us, and yet I hope that it continually again becomes new to us every time that we read it. All of God's word, by the way, should be that way, that it, it should speak fresh to us, and God desires for it to speak fresh to us every time we come to God's word. 
that God's Word is living and alive and applicable to your life and to my life and to the world that we find ourselves in, even though our world is separated by centuries from the biblical world. It's still relevant and still applies to us today. And I sure am thankful that God loves us so much uh, that he sent this great present. Um, And this is an unusual story. In fact, Christianity is the only uh, world religion that has a story just like this because it's so counterintuitive and so against the grain of what we know is normal. But then we should know by now that serving God is abnormal and that God does not do things the easy way and he certainly does not do things the normal way a lot of times. And yet God works in such a way that he brings joy to the world. And the first way that we do, you know, that that joy is found, again, not in presents and parties and stuff, but it's found in the person of Jesus. That's where our joy comes from. And if your joy is, comes from any place else, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. And yet the joy of the Lord lives inside of you. In fact, the Bible, Jesus said that when you have his joy... It swells up and it overflows. It keeps growing and growing and growing. It's in Jesus that we find joy. But three things that we're going to find in Jesus this morning. The first is this. We need to realize as we look at the Christmas story that in Jesus we find God's plan. Though many think, oh, it's just coincidence. Oh, it just worked out that way. I don't think so. I think the Bible shows us from Genesis all the way to Revelation that God is actively working in our world. And he has a plan. Now, sometimes that plan is thwarted or, you know, that, you know, mankind and our sinfulness, we put roadblocks up uh, and to try. But God's plan doesn't keep moving, does it? In fact, it's oftentimes God uses our attempts to thwart his plan to work his plan out. Because that's just how good and how powerful and how loving and gracious he is. And so we need to understand that in this Christmas story, as we looked at over the last few weeks, the beginning of this chapter, we looked at the shepherds. Uh, a couple weeks ago that come in verse 8 through the end of uh, this little section. We see all through this that God had a plan. You see, it it didn't just happen that Mary and Joseph found each other and it didn't just happen that she found herself pregnant. God said, this is what's going to happen and I'm going to perform. I'm going to make it happen. Now, all of us know how children normally are made. We know the story of the birds and bees. And yet, God says, you know what? I don't have to do things the way that they're normally done. In fact, I'm going to do things different than the way that things are normally done so you know that I did it. And he told the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 
hundreds of years before Jesus would come. You remember he, said, he told through the prophet Isaiah, he told the people, a virgin will conceive a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew records that story for us as well in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25. God has a plan. And God's plan is, doesn't work on my time, it doesn't work on your time. Sometimes we wish God would get on our time clock. But guess what? He's not going to. It's our job to get on His time clock. To understand that our timing is not right, but God's timing is always perfect. The old uh, saying, God may not come when you want Him, but He always comes right on time. And there's a lot of truth to that. That God's timing and God's ways are perfect. Our ways are not. And so, Joseph and, and Mary cart off from Nazareth to Bethlehem because that's where uh, Joseph's people were from. It just so happened that as they went to Bethlehem, Mary said, uh, it's time. And Joseph probably said, no, it's not. The book says it's not time yet. You know, that's what the husbands do. They say, no, it's, supposed to, it, it's not supposed to happen yet. And it's certainly not supposed to happen in this place that, you know, with all these people and this busyness going on around us, and yet that's when it happened because that's when God said that it would happen. God has a plan, uh, and he had a plan for Jesus, he had a plan for Joseph and Mary, and he has a plan for you and me. And our job is, just as Mary and Joseph trusted God, as you read, and I hope you've read the Christmas story from both Matthew and Luke um, over these coming weeks. I encourage you to do that again this week, to take some time and go through uh, that story again and remind yourself and remind your family about the reason that we celebrate Christmas. These were two ordinary young people. Probably about... Uh, you know, Joseph was probably close to Seth's age. Mary was probably close to Josie's age. A little older, but not much older. Can you imagine the stress of God coming and saying, Hey, you're Mary. You're going to carry the Savior of the world. And you remember Mary's response to the angel? <clears throat> May it be as you have said. When the angel came and told Joseph, Hey, listen, don't put Mary away. Don't divorce her. The child that is inside of her has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. And you should call his name Jesus. And Jesus is the, the, the Hebrew is the equivalent of Joshua. And the, the Hebrew, it's actually a Hebrew name and it means Savior. And so even Jesus' name. But then he, God goes a little bit further and he again points us to Isaiah. Where you remember Isaiah said that virgin's going to conceive a son and what's that son's name going to be called? Emmanuel, 
which is God with us. And so from the very beginning, God has reminded us that the gift and the message of Christmas and the joy that Christmas comes is not in presents and stuff, but it's in God's plan. The joy comes from God himself. That God desires for us not just to be happy. God does, is not concerned totally. In fact, he's not concerned all that much about our happiness. But what he is concerned about is that our joy is full. And joy and happiness are two different things. You can be joyous and you're, the world's falling apart around you. Think about Job. You remember his story from the Old Testament? He had lost his children, lost his, ha lost his livestock, lost all of his all of the value that he had. He was gone. His wife said to him, you remember perhaps, Job, <laughs> this is rough stuff. Why don't, we just end, why don't you just curse God and die? And you remember what Job's response was? Dear wife, God has a plan. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. Even in the midst of death and loss, Job proclaimed, I know my Redeemer lives. You know, and I don't know what you're going through in life. You may not have any problems, but chances are you've got some. And chances are everything is not joyous and merry and bright. May I tell you what? That Job's message is still should, desires to be your message. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is still good. And God is still merciful and God is still gracious despite any circumstance that we may find ourselves in. And that's a great gift. You know, some of you were undoubtedly praying for some missionaries that had gone to the nation of Haiti. A couple months ago they were taken captive by a terrorist group. And you know, many people prayed in this last week they were finally released. My, our, our question, you know, could it possibly, how could that be God's will? I guarantee you that some of those missionaries, because they were missionaries, as they interacted with those captors, did what Paul did, because they had a captive audience, and they shared Jesus. Now, if any of them came to Christ, I don't know. It would be wonderful if they did. But even in the midst of that captivity, God still has a plan. God's still working. God has a plan for your life. You can be assured of that. Now the thing is that God doesn't give us the unfolding of the plan all at once. We couldn't handle it if we were honest. We'd shut down if we knew what God wanted to do in our life. And have was going to use it because it's just too much and it would be too overwhelming. And so God gives us bite sized pieces that we can digest and handle. 
but I think also to help us grow in our faith. You see, in God's plan, the angel did not tell Joseph or Mary, hey, you're going to conceive this son, you're going to call his name Jesus, he's going to be Emmanuel, God with us, and you're going to raise him up, he's going to be a good boy, and then his countrymen are going to betray him and nail him to a cross. He didn't tell them that. Although that was God's plan. God revealed it in pieces. And yet in the pieces, Mary and Joseph's response is always faith and obedience. You see, it's impossible to have faith without having obedience as well. And when we're faithful and obedient to God, we know that we're prior of God's plan and we're right where we need to be. And that should give us joy. Not happiness, but joy. Knowing that we're exactly where God wants us to be. But also in uh, Jesus, not only do we find God's plan, but in Jesus we find God's promise. All throughout scripture, God has given his people promises. And here's the thing about God. When he makes a promise, he keeps them. Now, if everybody that promised me that they'd be at church, they said, preacher, I'll be at church one of these Sundays. I'll be there. We'd have a house full. Can I tell you? People break their promises. Sometimes they make a promise that they never intend to keep. Sometimes they intend to keep it, but things come up and they can't keep it. But God never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. Where are you going? Take your Bible with me and turn to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It'll be on the screen uh, as well. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler over Israel, whose coming forth is of old from the ancient of days. God, 400 years before Jesus would come, used the prophet Micah to remind the people, hey, listen, you're going to have centuries of silence do you realize that, that there are centuries that separate the close of the Old Testament to the Christmas story that we read this morning? Hey, listen, when I don't hear from, from you, I may send you a text or I may call you and you don't answer, I leave you a voicemail. If you don't answer within a few hours, I'm going to do one too. I'm going to say, I'm going to call you again and say, hey, didn't you get my message? Did you get my text? Or I'm going to say, well, I assume that they just don't want to talk to me and I'll forget it and I'll probably move on. Can you imagine not hearing from someone for 400 years? Those first century Jews had probably had crossed their mind more than once, God's forgotten about us. 
it really wasn't that God had forgotten about them, and it was probably a lot to do with people had forgotten about him. But God was working through that, what we call the silent 400 years. It really wasn't silent because God was still working behind the scenes. And he was working throughout human history to bring his plan to fruition. But this prophet Micah, the Jew Bethlehem, little insignificant town, you small little podunk village, out of you, the Savior of the world is going to come. And then as Joseph and Mary went with everybody else from that tribe, went to Bethlehem, because that's the city of David, and they were of David's lineage, so that's where they went to be counted. Here comes baby Jesus. There's hundreds of prophecies throughout the Old Testament that talk about the coming Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled a great number of them in his coming, in his work on the cross, and he'll fulfill the rest of them when he comes again. But the Christmas story and the reason it brings joy is reminds us that no matter, the, again, the circumstances we find ourselves in, God keeps his promises. And God promises that he knows you and that he loves you. That he'll always be with you. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He says, you are my child. So regardless of what circumstances you find yourself in, whether it's a holly jolly Christmas this year or whether it's not, there's joy because you're a child of the King and God keeps His promises. One of the great promises of Scripture, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10.13, there's no temptation. and Really, it's, that temptation is not the best translation of the word Paul uses it really is the idea of there's no storm that comes into your life but that which is common to everybody and here's the thing with each storm God is faithful that he makes a way of escape that you might be able to bear it in other words God makes a way that you can persevere to get through those storms that come into your life so that you can get safely to the other end. It's the promise of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And you see, when you know that truth, like King David knew that truth, say, you know what, God, doesn't matter the circumstances I find myself in, there's joy simply because you're here and you're with me. And listen, the struggles and the things that we go through in life, I'm thankful storms come and they don't stay. They come for a little while. Some, t some storms last longer than other storms. But guess what? Storms eventually get out of town. They move on. 
And that's true in our life as well, that even when we go through the storms of life, God promises that there's brighter days ahead. We just need to hang on and make it through the storm. And so God reminds us that in Jesus, we can depend on God's promises. Because God said, hey, Bethlehem, you insignificant little city, the Savior's going to come out of you. That one that's called the Ancient of Days, the, the branch that uh, Zechariah and Jeremiah and Isaiah talk about that's going to come and, and deliver God's people is going to come from you. Now, it wasn't happenstance when God chose Joseph and he chose Mary. Neither of them lived in Bethlehem. They probably went to Bethlehem. That's where they had family. So they probably went every so often. But they didn't live there. And in that year when the angel, God sent that angel, God knew that he had told Micah the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. He also knew that Joseph lived in Nazareth. He knew the two were not near each other. And Jetty did it anyway. And there were maybe some angels saying, God, what are you doing? It's not going to match up. They're not going to get there. It, it's, it's not going to come true. And yet God said, you know what? I made a promise. And I told people that the Savior of the world is going to come and be born in Bethlehem. And that's exactly what happened. And so if God can make promises like that, come keep those and make them true, the promises that God makes you in his word will come true as well. God never breaks a promise. He never makes a promise that he does not keep. And he will be near you, and he will help you through the storms. But here's the neat thing about the Christmas story that also brings us great joy. In Jesus, we find God's people. We find God's people. Not only do we find God's plan and God's promise, but we find God's people. Well, who are God's people? Who's eligible to become a person of God? Well, here's the answer. Anyone that's created in the image of God. And who's that? Everyone! It doesn't matter rich or poor, Nazareth or Bethlehem. And somehow I think that people didn't think much of the town of Bethlehem. They thought even less of Nazareth. It was not the happening, growing place. It was not a beautiful place like Pearl is to live. We find... Everyday folks. We find in the Christmas story, shepherds. Remember, the shepherds were the first ones, besides Mary and Joseph, that this Christmas story was proclaimed to. You know, things had not gone according to their plan, to Joseph and Mary's plan. They had gone according to God's plan. 
and that God kept his promises even though they lived in Nazareth, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then we find in the Christmas story, God's people. We find shepherds. And we find teenage girls and carpenters. Laborers. Probably that innkeeper that owned the barn, if you will. It wasn't a barn like we think of a barn. but Common, ordinary people. And if God can share the message and bring joy to shepherds, he can bring joy to us, regardless of what side of the tracks we were on, regardless of what color our skin is, regardless of what language we speak, regardless of how much money we've got, no matter how many mistakes we've made in our life, no matter how big a mess we've made of our life, God is able and willing and desires to call us His. And that's the joy of Christmas. You know, it's always kind of nice to get presents, isn't it? But you've probably found as you've gotten older, as I have, I get a whole lot more joy giving presents. Now, I like getting them, don't get me wrong. In fact, I'm pestering Leslie already. Let me open the presents under the tree. Y'all help me. She won't let me. Uh, Where was I going with? Oh, yes, I I know where I was going with that. Listen, friends, we're all part of God's family. And that's the joy, not the presents. But when we are able to share the joy and the love that we have because of what God has done in our life. When we give that away, guess what happens? The love and the joy that we have in our life doesn't become less because we've given some of it away. Guess what happens? The love and the joy we have, it grows and becomes more. And so we have more left over at the end than we started with. Only God can do that. You remember when he fed the thousands of people with a boy's lunch with some sardines and saltine crackers? And as Jesus took that, those fish and he took that bread and he blessed it and he told his disciples to pass it out, after everybody had had all they wanted to eat, in fact, they were so full, they were grown. Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that last fish. They went and they gathered up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. That's how it is with God. That the more we give, the more we have. Here's the thing. that When we share the love and the joy that we have because of what God is doing in our life, and we find that God's family grows. And there's always room in God's family. There's always room in our church for more people. Now, we've got plenty of empty seats here this morning. We've got plenty of room. But here's the thing, even if we were to fill up all these chairs, guess what would happen? 
If we filled it up, God would give us resources to build, build a bigger room. But here's the thing, is that God's family has people from every tribe and every tongue. And that's good news. To know that nobody is excluded from God's gift. And that's the best kind of gift, the one that brings joy. It's the one that is shared. So what's the big deal? What do we do with that? Yeah, we hear the message, and in a few days, we're going to have probably a Christmas gathering with some family, and we'll eat, and we'll exchange some presents, and we'll maybe sing a Christmas carol or two. So the thing is, is that through all of that, and as much as we enjoy those, to remember that that's not where our joy comes from. And you know what, as you enjoy that party, you work hard preparing all that food, eventually it's going to all get eaten or thrown away because you know, leftovers only last so long. And that pretty paper will all be gone next Sunday. Everybody's opened their presents. And yet though... The parties are gone and pretty packages and bows are gone. The joy should still be there. And if you gather with your family and there's joy only on Christmas Day and then they leave and that joy is gone, you've missed a great opportunity to share with them what joy is all about. And remind them that, hey, listen, Christmas is not about stuff and it's not about parties, it's not about any of these things. It's about the joy that God gives. It's about the joy that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing him as Lord and Savior. Knowing that, hey, though I was lost, I can be found because Jesus came and sought after me. And he didn't just seek after me, he sought after you. Not only did he seek after me and seek after you, he's seeking after those lost loved ones and family members and neighbors and co-workers. And what a great opportunity that this week is for us to share a message that, hey, listen, God loves you so much. He gave a great gift for you 2,000 years ago. And if you'll receive it, your life will never be the same. May the joy that we have at Christmas be with us all through the year. May we remember that it really is good news. It is joyous for all people. May we take an opportunity this week to share the Christmas story with somebody that maybe hasn't found its true meaning. Maybe they think it's about Santa Claus or presents. Maybe they think that, you know what, this time of year really is not so holly and jolly at all. But it is a joyous time. Because the message is that Jesus came. And guess what? Just as Jesus came, he's coming again. And we need to be ready. So I hope God will help you with that. And that God will give us a Merry Christmas full of joy. Not in stuff, but joy we get from the person of Jesus Christ. And that we'll remember that and we'll carry it all throughout 
the rest of this year, next year. Not have. Let's let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that the Christmas message brings joy. And there's joy in our hearts because we can come just as we are. Lord, you know the good and the bad and the ugly of us. And yet you love us anyway. And yet you say to us, hey, here's a present. Won't you receive it? Lord, if there's one here today in in this auditorium or watching on Facebook or YouTube that doesn't know you, they've never received that gift, would you help them today to receive that greatest of gifts that's ever been given? by acknowledging their need for you, repenting of their sin and receiving that wonderful gift. But Lord, for those of us that are saved and we we know the message and the joy that Christmas brings, may you help us to share that message loudly and brightly this week with those we come in contact with, maybe family members, maybe co-workers, maybe neighbors, maybe people at the stores that we go to. Give us divine appointments, Lord, to share the good news and to share the joy that comes by knowing you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Let's stand.